So, okay, if I'm, in, if I'm in the eye of the storm, then I've just got to cope. I've got to put my faith out. I can't get offended and upset and wounded. Do you know that the Bible says, count it all joy, and I know you know the scripture, count it all joy when you fall into various troubles. Because the troubles strengthen your faith and give you patience. And it should be joy when you're in that eye of the storm. I listen when they sing these prophetic songs because I know she heard the Lord and she's singing something over you. And there's more than the handful that stood up that are in the eye of the storm. And if you come out the eye of that storm, there's another one waiting for you. So you have to strengthen your muscles and you have to take all these storms as a challenge. How will I cope in this situation? Am I going to fall apart and wail and cry and leave the church because I'm upset? Or am I going to stand my ground, get strong, build myself up and gain my confidence back? So the other storm is a very safe place because the winds whirl around and you're in the middle, protected and safe. So praise God for that. But anyway, we are here mainly to do uh, some training, teaching and so on, which we will do next week. Monday night we're doing some with the leaders and the, uh, I don't know who, group of people. Whatever she says, whatever. It's very important to us, okay, who they are, because every group has a different need. So when we know who the grouping is, we know how to prepare ourselves for the grouping. So uh, it's the elders and the leaders and the people who are going to be do, uh, taking the prophetic further and we want to develop a prophetic team and people that are going to hear God clearer and that people we can trust. And that's what we're going to be doing Monday night and then Tuesday and Wednesday. We will let those newly trained people, they're not green peas because they come a long way with other training and other teaching, and uh, we'll let them loose to minister to you and in different ways and in a variety of ways. We have a plan. So we are very excited to be here. We don't just go everywhere. We're invited, and we're not always together as a group. So we're very different. Paul's ministry is very different to me, and uh, the two together deliver what the Lord wants at any season where we happen to be. So we don't do this. This is not what we do just because we like to be together and minister together. This is what we do when the Lord pulls it together. And uh, the plan actually came from Amu, the request, and then we respond to the request by getting a witness in your spirit. Uh, for me, the way the Lord works with me, I don't have to fast and pray and wait 10 years or 10 days to get an answer. I know straight away, that's right, that's wrong. I get a check in my spirit or I get a witness. Yes, let's go. Other times I know I've got to wait and this is not the season. The season is then. So the Lord works differently with a lot of people. Some people prefer to get a scripture as a confirming word. Other people want to get a dream. I know people who have lots and lots and lots of dreams. My son-in-law has loads of dreams but he's a very busy person. He's hyperactive, and his mind is busy, and he's, he's always busy. He's physically he's here, there, and everywhere. 
So the only time God can speak to him where he will not interfere is when he's asleep. So you see, God knows you, and God knows how to minister to you, and he knows how to bring a word to you. Now, I mean, we all don't like to wait, so I won't say I don't like to wait. Nobody likes to wait, but I just know that's how God works with me. And I've tested it over these many years that I've been working for the Lord and ministering. Other people need a bit of a shove to get some kind of an answer. Uh, they are the delay people, the ones who hear the Lord and they're not sure, and they first got to find out and get the infrastructure together and talk to everybody and get advice everywhere, and then maybe they'll do it. And you see, because of those people that delay, God needs others who are quick to fill in the gaps. But everybody is important, and the Lord speaks to everybody in a different way. Sometimes it's your circumstances or your situation that speaks to you. Uh, like even this, uh, everybody's very excited about coronavirus. Everybody's talking about it. When you go on the news, as you said, Luke, we, uh, we're all seeing the same thing, and everybody's just recycling the same message. But I say to myself, what good can possibly come out of this? The good that comes out of this, and even with the load shedding, what good can come out of these very negative things that disrupt, we think, disrupt our lives? So now, when load shedding comes, guess what we do? We sit together. <laughs> yes, we bry. Very good. The husband's bry. Okay, the ladies don't really bry. So the ladies don't have to cook. But you've got to be sure there's something there to put with the bra. Okay, you can't just eat a chop. You've got to have other stuff too. The yes, you talk to each other, you read, you have a torch or a lamp or a, you make a plan. And you, it's almost as if your whole, you even go to bed early. Have you noticed? I notice I go to bed a lot earlier when there's load shedding. Normally, I go to bed very late because I've always got stuff to do and I, I want to have a good sleep, you know. And then when it's load shedding, nine o'clock, I'm in bed. And I feel wonderful the next day. Lacquer, you're right. It's wonderful. So we do different things. So we've got to look at load shedding is not going to go away. So we may as well make friends with it. Coronavirus, we hope, is going to peak and drop and be gone. But really, it's disrupted the whole, it's disrupted everything. But I, I was saying to Paul, I'm actually quite happy about coronavirus because there's three or four overseas trips that are cancelled. Now we don't have to rush here and rush there, get flights and prepare everything. We can just chill. So we get an unexpected holiday. Hallelujah. It's wonderful. So we've, you've got to look on the bright side. And, and the people that are going to lose millions and billions and so on, they're already so rich. <laughs> they're already so rich. The airlines have got plenty money. Let them lose a bit. They might be nicer to us to get us onto the flights instead of treating us like cattle. The soccer teams, 
You know, the, the, the big concerts like Glastonbury, I'm basically focusing on England, but we have them here. What do they have here? They have Art Club. There's a whole lot. Art Club? Out car in? Nee, jong, dit klinkt soos een vloekwoord. Daar een, een oudroon. I'm not saying that. I'm going to make a mistake. Ek gaan een groot voeps maak. Maar it's cancelled. So dis nou gecanceleer. So now here, who's going to lose money? You're not going to spend any going there. And when you go to these things, you think you're going to only pay the entrance fee, but you spend a lot more. You've got to stay somewhere, you've got to eat food, then you buy stuff, uh, what, you know, music CDs or MP3s, whatever they sell there. There's a lot going on. I've never been to any of these, so I don't know what goes on there. Have you been, Paul? Do you know what goes on there? Really? <laughs> okay, it's also not much good, so there you are. You guys are the closest to Oatsorn. What happens there? Kinsterfeest. Okay. I know about the one they had at Art Hartenbos. They used to have music singing contests, like uh, Idols and the X Factor, but the South African version. Because we, we had a lady in our church that won one year. It was long ago, but she won one year. So a lot of things are, we, we all have to reevaluate what we do with our time. And then also, you can measure where your faith is. Am I afraid of this? Or have I got faith and can I trust the Lord to look after me in this time of illness? If I do catch it, will the Lord look after me while I'm sick? Do you understand? So it's an opportunity for you to measure where you're at. And you need to measure that. Because we don't get... You know, we've got to use the opportunity. That's my point. And uh, having fear and being scared of it, it's not going to help. You know, washing your hands will help more than fear. And I, will, I went yesterday, I had a meeting in Rustenburg, and a lady was supposed to go with me. And the day before, she phoned me and she said, I can't go with you. I'm sorry, I, I'm not feeling well. And I thought, that's a little bit thick. The day before we're supposed to go, she's gone with me so many times. The last minute she cancels, now I've got to go by myself. I, I haven't got enough time to get someone else to go with me. And my husband said to me, you know what? She's afraid of the crowds. She's afraid of the, she's going to get the coronavirus. And when I went to the meeting, I went, I looked at all the people in the meeting, like I look at you guys, and I think now, is the coronavirus in the room? <laughs> Holy Spirit, tell me. You know what I mean? So we, we become fearful of what could happen. And we actually have to take the thought further. If you do get it, what will happen? Have you got medical aid? Have you got a hospital? We've got all that. So the Lord will look, oh, we might have to queue at the hospital, but we've still got hospitals. You all look as if you're frozen now. Are you afraid? Father, I take that fear of coronavirus. Eight. Eight in Jesus' name. David, on smite your eight. There's no room for the enemy. No room. Okay, I've got a, a message here. I'm going to go through it quite quickly because we want to also 
uh, minister to you and do some uh, practical things. And I wanted to speak about, because we're doing prophetic training in the next few days, I wanted to speak to you about the different ways that spiritual information comes to you. And I know that Paul touched on it this morning because he shared some of the uh, briefly shared uh, overview of the message with me. But uh, I, so I might repeat some of it. I'm, I'm not, I didn't speak to him before except when I was already here. And I prepare my messages at home before I come. So one of the ways is uh, that messages come to you from the Holy Spirit, how God, remember there's different people that communicate with you. God speaks to you, the Holy Spirit speaks to you, and Jesus speaks to you. So there's different voices that communicate with you. So when you say the Lord said, you've got to, you've got to finally tune that, and you've got to find out who said was it God who spoke? Remember, God speaks the important things. God's not long-winded. He sometimes just gives you a thought or a word or an idea. He's not. Uh, Jesus is like your friend, your brother, your companion, and the Holy Spirit is the one that gives you communication, that guides you and leads you. He's the comforter. He's the advocate. You know all those uh, the, all those uh, names of the Holy Spirit. Those are the things that the Holy Spirit does. So when, though, when you are being comforted by the Holy Spirit, by the Lord, then you know it's the Holy Spirit. When, you, when, you know, when your battle is being fought, then you know the Holy Spirit is your advocate. He's fighting for you. So you need to know who is communicating with you. It's very important because you react according to the value of who spoke to you. Um, my husband and I have been married for many years to the same man, hallelujah, the Italian the unmentionable name that Luke can't say. Are you going to practice it at least? Giovanoni. It's quite simple. Giovanoni. I was Jackson before I got married, and nobody ever asked me how to spell that. It was very simple. And then you become Giovanoni, and everyone thinks you're Giovanetti or Giovanni or you know, there's lots of very, there's lots of variations. So, all these years, and we've got three children. And what was I going to tell you about that? Now, I can't even remember. I'm sure I'll pick up on it. Oh, yes. When my husband was involved in something, as the father of the family, everybody took notice. I could talk and whine and wail and complain and ask, and subot, and all that stuff. But my husband just had to say one word, and everybody in the family jumped to attention. So there's, there's a voice that speaks to you that's, that commands attention. Then there's the voice that you can negotiate with. Then there's the voice that you have to obey, i.e. the Holy Spirit. You understand the, the reason why we need to know who's speaking. So when we, I feel like I'm far away here, and I don't have to walk back so far. So when you, when you hear from the Lord, the first important thing is to identify who spoke. Okay, now that might seem simple, but it's, 
you have to do that so you know who's communicating with you. Is it dad? Is it your brother? Is it the, you know, the, the, the gardener? Is it the person, a neutral person out from the supermarket? Who spoke to you? According to who they are, you give that voice attention. And one way that, uh, that you can hear the Lord is to perceive. And to perceive is to become aware of. And often that's how the Holy Spirit will speak to you. He will make you aware of a need. Or without a word, without a long five scriptures and three dreams and ten confirmations, you just become aware of a need. It just develops in you and you have perceived something that you need to do. And you don't always know why. You know, if we know why, then we don't need faith. You know that, eh? And we always ask, why, why do I have to give that thousand rand away? Why must I pay for that student's school fees? Why must I give my car away? I'm really going for big stuff, so you know. Why? We always want to know why. But if God tells us why before we act, then we don't need any faith. And it's faith that pleases God. It says without faith, it is impossible to please God. Not difficult, not a struggle, it's impossible. So we, we need to have faith in the perceptions we get, the words we get by perceiving. Now I want to read you some important uh, scriptures from the Bible where biblical characters perceived and they acted on the perception. In Ecclesiastes 8 verse 5, it says, A wise man's heart discerns the time and the judgment. Is that rain? Wow, isn't that beautiful? It's, just, it's like a tinkle. It's lovely. In Matthew 4 verse 12, I'm going to read the scripture from my Bible, not my cell phone. Matthew 4, verse 12. I've got all the Bibles on my cell phone, but you can't find them quick enough. Find this is quicker. It says in 4, verse 12, Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, I don't think I've got the right scripture. I'll have to find it. I haven't got time to find it. So I'll have to go to the next one. In Luke 8, verse 46, remember when the woman with the issue of the blood came and uh, touched the hem of Jesus' garment? Luke 8, verse 46. The woman came and touched the hem of Jesus' garment, and in verse 45 he says, Who touched me? He knew somebody touched him. And why did he know that? Because it says here, they all denied it. And Peter said, Master, there are many people around here pushing and shoving. But Jesus said, somebody touched me. For I perceived that power had gone out of me. And even when you pray for people, you can perceive if they're receiving or if they're not receiving. There's a drip here. We're drowning. It's the Lord. He touched me. 
Jesus perceived that power had left him. So it wasn't a word or a scripture or a dream or a vision. It was a spiritual perception. He just knew that power had left him and it had gone into the woman. And that's why he first said, who touched me? But he first perceived something had changed in the spirit. So perception is so important. Then there's another scripture in uh, Acts 10, verse 34. Acts 10, verse 34. It says, Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, Lord, I perceive that God shows no partiality. He says, I have a perception here that if you do something and you do something, it's all God. God does not have any, the Bible says he has favorites, and we all think, Paul thinks he's God's favorite, but I try to tell him I am, but we have this argument regularly. And he says in Acts 10, 34, he says, I perceive that God shows no partiality. He doesn't say the Holy Spirit must go to the Jews only and not to the Gentiles. He says in God's eyes, we are all the same because he perceived that God showed no partiality. What he saw was the Holy Spirit going on everybody and he perceived in his heart, he got a spiritual witness that this is right. We've never done this before, but this is right. And that's what perceiving does for you. It actually gives you almost like an inner witness without an inner witness. You just perceive this is the right thing to do. This is how we should move forward. This is the right step. These are the right, the correct steps to take. So you need to, you need to develop your perceiving ability. Remember, everything we do spiritually needs to be practiced and developed. Some things will automatically be there. Like I've always known. I always know this is God, this is the devil. This is the Lord, this is right, this is wrong. I've always had that. But there are many other things that I did not have that I had to practice. And I practiced them by sitting in the front like these guys. And our pastor, the first pastor I had that I saw flowing the gifts, he used to hear God every Sunday. Every Sunday there were words of knowledge, there were healings, there was ministry. And I used to sit right in the front and he used to pray for the people and I used to watch him. And while he was praying, I was listening to my spirit. I wasn't doing the praying, I was doing nothing. I was practicing, listening and catching what he, and sometimes he would say, yes. I I would hear the same thing he's saying and praying over the person And other times I would miss it. But I was practicing. Practicing, practicing before I ever prophesied, uttered a word, prayed for the sick, did anything. So you have to practice perception. You have to practice hearing the Lord. You have to practice saying, who spoke? Was that you, Lord? Or is it the Holy Spirit? Or is God saying something to me? So you have to practice these things. And that's why we're here to make you aware of the need to practice. It's not just going to fall on you because God loves you. It's not going to fall out of heaven because you're born again. Born again is step one. 
and that was easy. You just knew you had a vacuum that needed to be filled, and Jesus filled it. And when Jesus came to live inside you, the Holy Spirit came with. He didn't stand outside and say, knock, knock, let me in too. They're both there. So the Holy Spirit's already there, ready to guide you and lead you and take you where you need to go. So being in the eye of the storm shouldn't be scary because you're not alone. The Lord is with you. Jesus is with you. The Holy Spirit is with you. And God knows your storm. Listen, I'm talking from many years of experience. I'm not standing here having had an easy life. Since I gave my heart to the Lord, you don't want to know what I went through. Horrible stuff. Unpleasant stuff that you've got to pick yourself up and you've got to say, where in the Bible, that happened to me, where in the Bible is that? Where is the solution? Lord, speak to me. And wait for him to tell you why you went through this trial, that trial, and that drama. And many of the things, of course, we know are of our own making. Especially when you're prophetic. You know, I've got lots of kicks under the table from my husband because you just don't see any other way. You just see things this direct way because you perceive these people are talking rubbish. And I tell them, I'd say, you're never going to do that. That's a lot of, that's a pipe dream. That's not a proper dream. And my husband would kick me under the table. Don't be so direct. Can't you tone it down? And of course I have over the years. I mean, wisdom, you know, does eventually come. Eventually it arrives. And you try and you become a little bit more diplomatic and you take a breath before you blast someone. You know, you learn these things. But you've got to, as I say, some of the crises are your own making. And I mean, that's just how it is. And, and the only way you learn is to make the mistake. You know, you learn, it, it, I know it's horrible to think of, but you learn more from the things you do wrong than from the things you do right. The things you do right bring you a moment's pleasure. And you feel so happy for two seconds. But the things you do wrong make you so miserable and make you, you know, you go onto this witch hunt with yourself and you ponder and you think, why did I say that? Why? You know, for years I prayed because of this kicking under the table. For years I prayed. There's a scripture in Psalms, Lord, put a seal in front of my mouth. Put an angel to God in front of my mouth. Please don't let me say anything I shouldn't. Please. And I was the quiet one in the family. So I, I don't know what happened. So we perceive. We become aware of. We understand. And perception is one of the ways that God will lead you. Much more than a dream and a vision and five scriptures. You will perceive. Then there's the people who feel. And, of course, if you're going to go by how you feel, we all know that's not very reliable. I feel tired. I feel hungry. I feel, I feel the flesh will rise up and want you to feel the flesh before you feel anything spiritual. So you have to be careful that the flesh is, is almost taken care of in the right way. In other words, if you're very tired... 
it's hard to discipline yourself to stand up straight. You're inclined to slop and put your feet up and do stuff like that. Isn't that so? That's a physical problem. So you need to be sure that you're fresh and you fit. Then you need, the, in other words, don't allow the voice of the flesh to rule. Feed yourself when you're hungry. Don't starve yourself. And eat the right food. You know, we're also silly. We, we don't always know what the right food is. People are very clever these days. But the days I grew up in, we didn't know. I've got young friends that said, I, I don't know the right things to feed my family. I don't know what's in everything. So they just get bread and jam, and she's giving me 10 minutes, so I've got to really go fast. In Ecclesiastes 8, verse 5, it says, He who keeps his commands will feel and experience no evil thing. So if you keep the Lord's commands, in other words, if you're on God's commission, if the Lord sent you to this church, and you didn't just come to check it out and see who's who in the zoo, the Lord sent you here. No matter what happens here, you will not be able to go because the Lord has to release you before you can go. What was the name of that church the lady said? You can't go to Patria if the Lord wants you here. But you can be friends with people at Patria. And if they have a fabulous conference, you can go to the conference. Because now we're all friends. It's seamless between all the ministries. All the pastors are friends. Why can't we be friends with the people? The pastors are all friends now. Listen, we came here 15, 20 years ago. We were talking about it on the way here. And you don't want to know what a tie hard ground this was to plow. And we were not the only ones. There were lots of people that came here. It was tough. People used to fold their arms and say, what's that now? Be never done. There's nothing new under the sun. This is just, we're just bringing out the Bible, what's already there. We're just sharing with you what, what's in you and what you're capable of. It's, it's not about me. It's about me sharing with you what's in you because God said so in the Bible. And Ecclesiastes, I want to read it from the scripture because you didn't seem to catch what an awesome scripture that was. And I want a, ooh, to come from the room. In Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 8 verse 5, it says, He who keeps his command will experience and feel nothing harmful. So you are not going to feel... Ooh, thank you. That was wonderful. So you are going to feel the presence of the Lord because you are in his will. You're not going to feel what the devil wants you to do and, and listen to his commands. So there are people that feel. In Acts 17, there's another scripture here, and, and I did a lot of research. I went and looked at the Greek word and all the rest of it. And I'm not a Greek scholar. I've got a dictionary that explains everything. My son-in-law is Greek. So he can actually read the Greek Bible. Have you ever seen what it looks like? It looks like hieroglyphics. 
It's scribbly, squabbly. It's impossible to look to understand what's going on. But he can read the original Greek scriptures. Uh, it's such a privilege to be able to do that. And I mean, he's in IT. He's not even a preacher. It's such a shame and such a waste. <laughs> I wish, you know, I wish God could just take something out of that person's head and put it in this person's head. Don't you sometimes wish that? So in, in Acts 17, verse 27, it says, so, they, so that they should seek the Lord. Remember, this was when, uh, the, when Paul used the tomb of the unknown soldier to preach a message. And they, they were very proud to show him the tomb, the tomb to the unknown God. When you go to any country, it, it confused me at first. I went to America, and they took us to this tomb of the unknown soldier, and I said, what's the point if we don't know who's there? They said, no, every country has a grave to the unknown soldier, and you have to honor all the soldiers because of this one that's in this grave, and that's what happened here. They said, this is a tomb and a monument to the unknown God. So he said, but who is the unknown God? And they said, no, the unknown God. But he said, I know who the unknown God is. And he said in verse 27, uh, I'll read from 26. And he has made one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth, face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed time and the boundaries of their dwellings. And the reason is so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him. And what it says there, you grope for the Lord so that you can feel. How often have we heard people prophesy and pray and say, Lord, hold my hand. Let me walk with you. Now, how do you do that? You know, you do it by faith. You hold the hand of the Lord. You walk with the Lord by faith. And that's, that is for people who like to feel. And feelings are bad. You know, I, I grew, got born again and grew up in the faith movement. And they were not keen on feely, touchy stuff. You had to do everything by faith. But then you start to feel the presence of the Lord and it's so wonderful. So now, we like to feel, but if we can't feel, we can perceive. If we can't perceive and we can't feel, there's another way. You can hear. The word of the Lord came to me saying, and I did a study one time on the book of Jeremiah, I read through the book many times, and what absolutely, I was so blessed because Jeremiah through the whole book and actually the book of Ezekiel, they keep saying, and the word of the Lord came to me, and he said, Go tell. So now, I don't stand here. The word of the Lord came to me, and I speak it out. It came to them in a place, and they had to go to where they had to go, and then they had to deliver the word. And over and over it says, and the word of the Lord came to me, and they heard the Lord speak. God gave them whole prophecies, like the young child Samuel lying on the mat, fast asleep. I know my time's up. I'm going to be finished now. Go with the flow. Okay. I better check that with Luke. I've 
only been speaking for 20 minutes. 25, 30, 35. So... The young child Samuel was asleep on the mat. Now, a child, you know how kids sleep, like the dead. He's asleep on the mat, and God wakes him up. Now, there's a very important point there. In other words, when you think you'll never hear the Lord, and you think God's not going to come through and give you the answer that you're waiting for, you must remember that Samuel was fast asleep and God was able to wake him up and give him the word he needed. So if you in your doze of your problem and your issue in the eye of the storm and all you see is the wind whistling around you, the Lord can take you out of that and speak to you. God knows how to get through to you. And he woke up the young child Samuel and he spoke to him, he gave him a prophetic word for Eli. Now that's very powerful because what, that's what we call ministering up. In other words, oh, who am I? I'm just nobody, but I've got to minister to Eli. I've got to go. I'm the only one God can find. The Holy Spirit has hovered over all the earth. Nobody's listening, so he finds a sleeping child and he gives him the word to give to Eli. And the same happened with Abraham when he gave gifts. Was it Abraham that gave gifts to, uh, to Melchizedek? He gave up. He ministered up. He didn't minister down because that makes us feel like kings when we minister down and we give to the poor. We feel rich. We feel well off. We feel like we've got so much but when you're down there and you have to give something away, and you know rich people don't often get gifts. Everybody wants them to give them gifts. They must buy you a car because don't they have a whole showroom full of cars? They own the whole franchise. Can't they just give a few cars away? Listen, my husband was a businessman, and I'm telling you, the people used to queue up in front of him to relieve him of his money. Everybody wanted something from him. Everybody. And when I went into the ministry 33 years ago, the Lord said to me, you don't ask your husband for a cent. And I said, but why not, Lord? He's got lots of money. And isn't that what wives do? Your husband supports you. And the Lord said, no. He will never be able to have enough money to support what I want to do through you. And we also know, we also know, sorry husbands, but you sometimes control your wife by saying no and not giving her what she needs. She must wait. And I know my husband would have done that with me. He loves me, thinks I'm wonderful and so on, but he doesn't have to give me any money for any ministry. If God doesn't provide, then I can't go. Simple as that. And God's provided. I've been all over the world, in and out, up and down, <clears throat> in days when I only had housekeeping. I used to save my housekeeping to go on a trip. So I had to do my homework. Do you understand? And, and we want God, husbands to provide. We don't even look to the Lord. We look to our husbands. And if you don't build your faith, 
between you and the Lord, you will never get out the starting blocks. And the first thing I trusted God for was my 100 rand a month for Bible school. Never asked him for anything. Paid the deposit myself. I wasn't working. I was a housewife. I found ways to generate an income. Some kind of money. Not much, of course, but some. So we perceive, we feel, we hear. The word of the Lord came to me. I knew, I heard God speak in my spirit. I heard a scripture, and I know that scripture is God telling me something important. I heard a word that came to me. I had a dream, and God spoke to me in the dream. I had, I, have you ever done being delivered of something in a dream? So the gifts work through the dream. The dream's not entertainment, nighttime entertainment, movies while you sleep. No, it's God speaking to you through some of the gifts. The gifts are operating through the dream. And you've got, if you don't know what the gifts are, you've got to find out so that you know how to interpret the dream and you know what God's saying while you're sleeping. So when you wake up, you're well informed. I always sleep with a pen and paper next to my bed because, of course, you wake up with a dream and then the next morning, you know, what was that dream again? I can't remember all the detail. So write it down, even if it's in the middle of the night or early in the morning. That's when most of the prophetic dreams come. I've actually got a book. I've got brought quite a few of my books, actually not that many because, of course, 20 kilos is nothing when you start with books. But I bought one of my books called Dreams Interpreting, the keys to interpreting dreams and visions. And the book's not about blue means this and red means that and a tree means this and a boat means that. There's an anointing in the book for you to learn how to interpret your own dreams. Because if I ask you red, what, 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 what do you think? If I say fire, what will you say? If God says fire, what is he saying to you? Hot, okay? If you, you the gentleman. Passion. Hallelujah, I like him. This gentleman with the white shirt, you look very conservative. He's not saying anything. Fire, just, oh, there's problems. Get the bucket of water. What, what would you think? Because have you not heard it here in the meetings when they say, Lord, let the fire fall? What does that mean? What's that fire going to do? It's going to purify her. It's going to give him passion. It's going to give somebody else. What did you say? Hot. <laughs> She's going to get hot, okay? So a lot of different things. So now I can't tell you what fire or red or blue is because everybody sees differently. Even what you were saying earlier, we're all looking at the same thing. We see the flames, but when we look at the flames, what is God saying to me about the flames? Now, I'm with him. I just see zeal, enthusiasm, passion. That's what fire says to me. Hmm? Bry. Oh, he's back to the barbecue. Go, Luke. So we hear, so we perceive, we feel, we hear, and then I think Paul shared on this, this morning, the seers, the people who see things in the spirit, 
They actually have, they actually see a real thing in the spirit. Now, I, I will tell you, I don't have many of those. I've had them, but it's, it's more like a flash. If I don't look, it's gone, and I've missed it. So it's, whoops, it goes past me. But if I take notice of that that I saw, and I make, I, I ask the Lord what this is, and I take note of it, and I write it down, I find it's a very important milestone. Very important. So it's up to me to put value on what I see, what I feel, what I hear, and what I perceive. If I'm just going to take it all, oh, well, I don't know if it's the Lord or not, then if you're going to doubt everything you, any of those ways God speaks, you are not going to grow. You may ask, how do I know it's the Lord? Is that what you're going to ask? You all look as if you're not going to ask anything. Come on, people, get a bit curious. If you want to know what, is this the Lord or is this the devil? And the very first school I did, I was in Afrikaans church for nine years. So I can work in the tal preek, ne? I said, no, profiteer, then I get a little bit stuck. But I can do it all. A little bit wobbly these days because I'm not in the Afrikaans church anymore. But when I was in the Afrikaans church, what was I going to tell you about that? Curious, yes. I had the school every week for nine years. Every week we had a prophetic school. And the first seven, eight months of this new school in Afrikaans, a CAC, the church was called Levende Woord in Pretoria. It was a very alive church. But the people didn't know very much about the prophetic. And for seven, eight months, Nobody responded. They would come every week, listen to the message, try and stir up their gift. I'd say, have you heard the Lord? One after the other. You know, and I remember the, after the seventh, eighth month, I can't remember the exact time, I was getting ready to go to the meeting and I was brushing my hair and I saw myself in the mirror and I said, you know what, I've had enough, Lord. I'm not doing this school, not another week. If you don't show me some profits tonight, tonight I want to see profits. I don't want to see blank faces. And I was determined. So off I went to the school. <laughs> and you know when you get that determination, something just rises up in you. And the people obviously sensed it. And there I said, Het iemand van die gehoor? And they all looked at me the usual. So I said, my broer, I'll have to use the man. It's not you, but I have to use you. I said, my broer, het jy iets van die Heere gehoor? I said, nee. I said, jy het. <laughs> so he says to me, well, ek's nie seker of dit die Heere is of nie. So I said, wat het jy gehoor? Kom ons begin daar. Wat het jy gehoor? And he says to me, ek, ah, ek het gehoor die Heere sê, ek is lief vir jou. Nee, hy het gesê, ek het gehoor, Ek is lief vir jou. Hy het nie gesê die Heere. Ek is lief vir jou. So ek sê, ok, so het die duivel dit vir jou gesê? Nee! Oeh, jy was so horrified. I sê, so het jy dit vir jouself gesê? Nee, hy sê, ek het nie. So ek sê, wie, wie is nou oor? 
Dis nie die duivel nie, dis nie jy nie. Wie so? Wie kon dit gesê het? Die Heere. Prijs die Heere breakthrough. Finally. Finally. So now, when you hear the Lord, is it the devil? Does the devil want you to do it? Maybe. You've got to test it. Is it yourself? That's the worst one. Could be you. How do you know it's the Lord? You will never know if you don't follow through on the word. Let's just say the, the, somebody, the Lord says to you, give somebody, so-and-so a book. And you go and give them the book. Now, you don't know if that's the book they want or they like that author or they're going to read it or whatever. But you give them the book. Only when you take the book out of your library and you go and you give it to them, are you going to know if you heard the Lord or not? And if you give it to them and they say, oh, I've got this book at home. Maybe the Lord's told them to give that book to someone and they don't want to give their copy away. And the Lord's giving you a copy to give them to give away. So unless you act on what you hear from the Lord, you are not going to move out the starting blocks. And I know there was lovely testimonies and some of them were really powerful and you all have testimonies and everybody, you know, wants to hear the Lord and wants to be obedient, but you've got to put in the effort and you've got to be prepared to make a few mistakes. You know, everything you do is not going to be perfect, but it's the way that you deliver that intimidates people into saying, especially if you go to traditional people and you say, well, I mean, really, as the Heere gesêd, dan voel jy jy moeder doen. Nee, you can't, and especially if you don't know any different. So we leave that out. We don't say the Heere gesêd. We say, you know what, I feel like you're very confused about your studies at the moment. But hold on. Because where you are is exactly where God wants you. Don't try and shift around. Just stick with it. Now, I don't say to her, Oh, the year Oh! You know, I mean, really. We just minister as we minister like proper people. And don't get all floaty and silly. <laughs> I, was, I was in Zambia once with this... With this uh, group of people and there was a lady there, an African lady and she was, every meeting there she was and she said to me, Sister Anita, you know they call you Sister Anita? Sister Anita, she says it's so embarrassing she says every time I want to prophesy, she says my voice goes high and I can't breathe and she says it's so embarrassing, she says I go high and of course all in English the Lord said you know and she wobble and shake and just like that the Lord said to me she gets such a fright when she hears from the Lord that her nerves kick in so a simple solution I said you know my sister I think you must just next time your Lord gives you a word and you feel the word just take a few deep breaths she wanted me to lay hands on her and to do a deliverance. None of that was necessary. All she had to do was take a few deep breaths, calm down, 
and share the word. <laughs> she said, the next time, because she used to pray with the president's intercessors. So they were all high-level people, cabinet ministers and whatnot. And she said the next time she got a prophetic word when she was with all these people, she said, and she shared the word. She said, and the Lord says, and she shared the word quite normally. And she says when she opened it, her eyes, everybody was staring at her. They couldn't believe that she wasn't shaking and shivering and gasping for air and all that. They, and she said it was normal to prophesy. So we must, I know we don't really do that anymore. That's very achje eserach. Sorry for the PPK mensa. But that's very achje eserach. There's a lot of shaking and shivering. And I know people do shiver. And I know the Holy Spirit comes on them. I know all that. And if that's how you minister, then people will become familiar with you, shaking and different stuff. And it's not bad. But it's not commendable. Because people don't know what to do with you. We were in France, and this girl came up to share testimony like you were, had the people sharing, and the person with the microphone was standing normally. And this girl kept falling, and she couldn't even share more than one or two sentences before she collapsed and had to pick her up. And then she was trying, and we couldn't follow this blooming testimony. It was so confusing. <laughs> and one of our team came and said, you know what, that woman's putting on her act. And I was so cross that I didn't spot it because I was actually irritated. And I perceived I was irritated. And I thought, now, just stay out of it, Anita. You know how you sometimes talk to yourself. Don't get in the middle of this. It's not your show. It's not your meeting. Just stay out of it. And we had to, we had to send Paul to go and sort her out and tell her, listen, Paul's the recce. And he just said to her, listen, we don't want any of that anymore. If you're going to come up and share in that fashion, we're not going to let you share. So you have to stand on your feet and share properly. And, you know, speak out and let us. Otherwise, it's not a testimony. It's just us watching a show of a person falling and uh, the Rocky Horror Show. Okay? I live down the road from Monte Cassino. They're always sending me... Um, notices to come to their show. Last three shows, only three left. The Rocky Horror Show. Well, I can't get my husband out to that. I'll have to go by myself. And that's no fun. <laughs> Do you have theatres here? I know you have. You've got one in town? And do you have shows regularly or just now and then? They're boring. <laughs> You'd rather have a braai. Listen, the arty people love all that stuff. They love all that stuff. Yeah. What, what are we watching for dinner? Okay, we'll just minister to a few people. I know time has gone on. She's shown me the finish zero button a few times. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm not behaving very well. Uh, so if you have to leave, if you've got children, small children, or you have to go because you've got work tomorrow and that sort of thing, you're welcome to get up and go out. We won't stop you. We won't say, stop at the door. Stop those people leaving. Or, or we won't get offended and think you don't like us. You know, that's, that's not important. It's, it's about you and tomorrow you've got to be sensible and you've got to, oh, she's leaving. Why are you leaving? 
Didn't you enjoy the meeting? You don't like me. I'm offended. You see how silly we can be. I believe there's some, some young leaders here. I see three, specifically two young men and a young girl that uh, have recently been designated leadership duties. You'll have to stand up whoever you are. So. Two young men, they're young, I see young people. Two young men and a girl that have just been recently designated <coughs> certain duties. Ooh, isn't God good? Hallelujah. I just see your anxiety and worrying that you have to perform. And I feel like the Lord says you don't have to perform at all. You were handpicked by the Lord. Uh, the leadership heard your names from God. They didn't just look around and see who looks nice and who's useful and who can do this and that. So you need to just know that you are in the position and it feels to me like a training position, all three of you. You're there to learn, and you're there to ask questions, and you're there to grow. And I actually see one of you, I don't know which one it is, I actually see the Lord's already spoken ministry over you, a full-time ministry. You've actually been told that, is it you? I believe God's told you that, is it you? Has he, has he spoken to either of you? about full-time ministry, so all of you called to full-time ministry, but this is your learning season, your training season. You mustn't change track yet. I believe the time will come when you need to change track, but just keep doing what you're doing now. You don't know nearly enough. You're not ready for the big time because the big time is what God's promised you all. I see traveling, lots of traveling for all of you, and you're not ready for that yet. It takes a lot They'll eat you up alive and spit you out. And the Lord wants to preserve you for his kingdom and for what he has lying ahead. I see one of you is going to plant a church from here. I don't know which one it will be. So somebody's got a pastoral anointing. God's not showing me who. So you'll have to take it if it's you. You have a pastoral anointing and you have a leader, leadership skills. You have people management skills par excellence. And you're able to work with people very well. So that's the one that God will plant out. So I hope Luke takes note and passes on the message. When the time is right. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Do you want to come and stand? Uh, the gentleman right at the back with the burgundy shirt on. Yes. What's your name, my brother? Stanton. Stanton. Oh, Stanton. Have I prophesied over you before? Are you sure? Okay. I, I just see God's favor on you. I see that you've been through a very tough period recently, and it was things God wanted to teach you, especially in the area of finance. There was a lot of foolish things that you were involved in, and you had to reevaluate everything. And you must never think that when you stop something, it's bad. It's always good to put an end to something that's not working so that you can start something new. And the Lord has put skills inside you to pioneer. You're able to pioneer. I see a business anointing on you, and I see God's favor in the area of finance. So don't look at where you are now. I see the Lord is going to re 
generate your enthusiasm for business and your skills and your ability to start something again. But it's a, a, it's a similar field, but a different field. And I see different partners. The partners you had were not working with you, weren't pulling the wagon together. And the partners that God's going to give you, and God's going to give you unusual partners, not ones you mustn't choose. You're not good at choosing. You must let the Lord choose. Don't you want to go home? It looks like a lot of work. You see, now they're all sitting. Uh, I want to first speak to those people that are caught in the eye of the storm. If you just stand for me, and especially those that didn't stand when the prophetic word went out. It's a very important word. Those that, I remember with the eye of the storm, there were more of you that didn't stand at that time. You feel, you can actually feel the storm around you, but the Lord has put, you can feel the peace about it as well. And I feel, I feel you didn't necessarily take enough note of what the Lord is doing with you. He can reach you in the eye of that storm. It's not too big a storm for God to be able to handle at all. To you, it's so massive, it takes over your entire life. And there are many of you, and I'm leaving that up to your perception, many of you are spending too much time in the negative box. You are spending time feeding this monster. You are actually going out into the wind when you should stay in the eye of the storm. And you are trying to push your way through. And the Lord is saying, stay there. Don't go yet. It will all settle in time. Just saying, it's not for every one of you, so I'm relying on you to be able to perceive because that's what Anita talked about. If you don't know how to perceive, then find someone around you who you can trust, some, a few people, to help you perceive what is specifically for you. But many of you, most of you at this stage need to stay put. It's not a time for venturing out. It's not a time for venturing out. And it's not a time for finding your own solutions. Just stay put and trust God. In other words, it doesn't mean you don't do anything. You carry on with your life as normal. But you, keep, you, you stay put in that specific situation. And then suddenly the storm will literally just go, lift. And you think, why was this such a fuss? Why did I make such a big deal of this? It occupied my entire space. And I lost all my creativity. In the center of the storm, your creativity can return to you. Trust the Lord with it. I believe one of those people are busy with uh, either considering or in the middle of a divorce, and your storm is a relationship storm. And you can't see your way out of it. I just see you trying to beat your way out of it with lawyers and trying to get that person back and all that. I just see the Lord, I just see the Lord say you need to relax where you are, just pull back and let God take you where he wants you to go. He is going to resolve the situation much better than you can with all your string of expensive lawyers. You're just going to cause a war. 
And God doesn't want a war. God wants peace. He wants you to have peace after the situation has cleared itself. Um, I believe there's some businessmen here. I see somebody, uh, I see at least three of you. I get five, then I get three, then I get five, then I get three. So I believe the three are based here in George or somewhere around here, and the other two are considering moving their business away. I don't want you to stand. You'll know who you are. I believe the Lord says you're not ready to move away yet, the two that want to move away. You need to stand and wait. Uh, there's a waiting period and a preparation period. I believe you don't have enough resources and enough finance, and you haven't yet identified where you're going. You're just going, and you need to first identify, and you need to scout before you go. You need to go there and look. Look at the businesses that are already there. Go and investigate what's already in the area so that you land in the right place and not land in the wrong place. And I see one of you, you have a brother in another city and you want to trust your brother with the business. And your brother doesn't have the heart for the business that you have. So just be careful. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not hearing no. I'm just hearing be careful. And the three that are here with the business, I see the business is really just breaking even. You're not making money, but you're also not losing. And I believe this is just a period where you have to hold on and you have to allow the business to correct itself. There are some things in the business that the Lord has told you to implement, but you're afraid to do it. And one of you, the Lord has told you to expand, but because you're just breaking even, you don't want to expand. But it's almost as if in a, in, in a famine, you have to sow. And you have to expand when it looks like the worst time to do it. And the other people that are here, you just have to, uh, I see some adjustments. I see somebody in the office that's not doing their job properly. And the Lord said to you, they're not up to scratch. You need to replace them and you don't want to do that. So the, each one of you have received an instruction from the Lord that you have to follow through on. So don't be afraid to do it. You're hearing me now. I don't know you at all, but I'm hearing what the Lord wants you to implement. And you need to implement those things, even though it's just breaking even. You need to put in the plans and the, uh, the purposes that God has for your business. <clears throat> and one of you is in retail. It's quite a large retail uh, business. So don't be afraid to implement what God's telling you. Who are the fighters here? Fighters, yeah. Ah! Fighters. Don't get complicated. Just take it by... Tr just If it speaks to you, put your hand up. Yeah, I see fighter. So who's the fighter? Because I need... There's a couple of fighters here. There's a, there's a lot of fighters. More of you need to... As the word goes out, you'll know who you are. There's a time to roar. And there's a time to purr. You cannot fight all the time. You need to choose your moments. You need to know when to fight and when to stand back. Many of you walk into fire that nobody's ever designed you to walk into. And you get burnt in the process. And I feel you need to learn those nuances 
some of you have developed a type of a happerige persoonlikheid. Ja, hap allemaal. Because you want to fix everyone. You want to sort them out. And there's a time to do that, and there's a time to stand back. You need to learn how, to, how that rhythm should work in your lives. Because otherwise, what happens is it destroys everyone around you, including you. Learn the rhythm. God needs fighters. But he also needs us to be calm and purr. You know why I'm talking? A lion purrs. But boy, it can fight. Choose your moments. The Lord will help you with that. Um, the young gentleman that was, let's do that. Let's all purr. We all need to learn to purr. Isn't that wonderful? It feels so nice. The young gentleman that was leading the singing, or I don't know, that was, is it you? What's your name, my brother? Yes, I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like the Lord is going to put a holy boldness on you for specific sessions and specific songs. So it's not going to live there with you. It's going to, while you're doing the worship, it's going to just come upon you. And when it, it's actually happened before and it scares you. So you push it away and you say, this is what we said we'd do. So now we must do it. And the Lord wants you to step out in boldness when he puts that boldness anointing on you and you, I, I see your own songs in your spirit that you're able to come up with and able to sing out in those moments that you need to, you need to just step out and do those things when the Holy Spirit comes on you and he tells you to do it. Uh, he's been pushing you a lot lately and you've really developed enormously. I, I don't know you at all, but I'm just hearing the Lord say, you need to have confidence on where God has brought you to this time. And you need to know when the boldness comes on you, it doesn't matter what words come out of your mouth. If you give over to the Holy Spirit, they will be the right words. So God is going to actually give you, I actually see you recorded quite a lot of them already. When you, do you only play the guitar? Because I see another instrument. Okay, because I see both of them, and I see especially when the keys, when you play the keys at home, the songs seem to come easier, and uh, you need to, and you are recording. So you, you're keeping a record of what the Lord is saying through you. And there's a specific thread through all the songs. Uh, I don't know what it is, but you'll, if you look at the songs, you'll see that there's a specific thread through all of them. And there's a very specific message God is going to use you to sing out through the songs that he gives you. Okay. Like some people have war songs and others have love songs. There's a thread in your song. Warwick, we're not finished with you yet. <laughs> this pushing for a very accurate, Anita, well done. It's, uh, <laughs> this pushing in the, in the spirit is not something that's just going to stop now. I see as Anita spoke about the area of music, but there are other areas in your life that the Lord's going to continue pushing. Pushing you to get you into the place of ministry that he wants you to be in, in spite of yourself. He's not putting you there because of you. He's putting you there in spite of you, which is wonderful to know. 
and, and you've got to just start stepping into those windows. I see the Lord opening certain windows, and all you need to do is to step into that space. You naturally stand back, and you've got to learn to naturally step forward. So you've got to every time, because you'll easily stand back for everyone. But God wants you to step into spaces. And it's a faith walk for you to step into the spaces when they occur. And they're going to occur one after the other. What Anita mentioned is one area, but there are going to be other areas. There's also, there's also an ability to minister, minister far beyond just the... The, just uh, the worship and the music side of things. There's something God's establishing in your heart, and it gets established by you practicing. So I really feel there's a lot of practice, and there many, many years you've just stood back. You just do it so automatically you don't even know. And you're going to have to face those areas where you, where God is wanting you to rise up. And the reason is, it's not about you. It's about how people must be touched by the message that God has put in your, in, in, the, in your inside. There's a DNA strand in your inside that needs to touch many people. And I even want to say many nations. And, you're gonna, and you'll be, you'll, you're one of those guys that Anita spoke about that's rather slower than fast. And you want to, like, you want to figure it out. Is it me? You know, all of this. But you'll see there's a grace that will start coming on your life. And God needs gentle souls, people that are gentle, that can really portray his love into the body of Christ. And one, that's one of the areas that he's going to use you. And you're going to do it because of your brokenness, just because of who you are, in spite of you. And that's the wonderful thing. So just rise up because he's calling you to rise up. Amen. So basically, you're a natural purrer. Purr. A natural purrer. There's no lion there. Purr. Natural purrer. Well, we're going to finish now. We're winding up, and really, it's been an absolute privilege and a blessing uh, to come and minister here to you and just share a word with you and just encourage you to hear, feel, see, perceive all those things the Lord. So have a great week. I'm going to give over to Luke. Thank you.